This is a Squiz podcast. We're your shortcut to being informed. Good morning, I'm Kate Watson. And I'm Claire Kimball. It's Monday the 11th of October. In your Squiz today, New South Wales starts its journey out of lockdown restrictions. Talks with the Taliban. Lebanon's power problem. And one for the teachers out there. This is your Squeeze Today. Starting today in New South Wales, Clare, where a whole bunch of restrictions have been lifted. It's been over three months since Greater Sydney went into lockdown. And as we know, many other parts of New South Wales have been in and out of them. The reason restrictions are lifting is that over 70% of the state's eligible population are now fully vaccinated. And of course, much of the freedoms that will be reinstated today only apply for those who have been double jabbed. That's right. What workers are going to have to do, particularly cafes, pubs, uh, anywhere that you need to go in is to check for proof of vaccination. And what Premier Dominic Perrottet said yesterday is to show them kindness and respect. He said that those workers have a job to do and sure there will be some people who are impatient as they have to queue up as that process goes on and others, of course, who aren't vaccinated who want to have access things could be a bit fraught. So uh, the answer is to just cool down a little bit, just let (laughs) the process happen uh, and just be happy that things are open again. You can get your vaccination certificate from Medicare through the MyGov app. One thing Sydney siders can't do yet is travel to the regions and those in the regions can't visit Sydney. That comes at 80%, which is due by the end of November. Other states and territories that have lockdowns in place include the ACT and Victoria Clare. ACT's lockdown is due to end this Friday, so slightly behind New South Wales, but not when it comes to vaccinations. A staggering 97.1% of the population aged over 12 years old in the ACT have had at least one vaccine dose. How's Victoria going, Clare? They're doing okay. They've got a bit of a way to go to hit that 70% fully vaccinated uh, rate and what they'll do is get there in the next couple of weeks. But that hasn't stopped Premier Daniel Andrews from outlining some plans about what Melbourne looks like in November. The Melbourne Cup's going to go ahead with crowds of up to 10,000 people. So that's very welcome news to many. Yeah, other states will be keenly watching what happens with the reopening in New South Wales. One of the outstanding questions here in Australia is vaccination for kids aged under 12 years old. Bit of news on that front, Pfizer has delivered its submission to regulators in the US for its vaccine to be cleared for use by kids as young as five. So expect that to be something that starts to be talked about a little bit more in the coming months. Crown Resorts has had its share of scrutiny when it comes to accusations of money laundering and organised crime in its casinos. Now similar accusations are being made across the Nine Network today about our other big casino group, Star. Yeah, and they're the same people who did first shine that light on Crown. So they're well and truly versed in that world. And what they say in reports this morning is that Star Casino has been, and this is the quote, enabling suspected money laundering, organised crime, large-scale fraud and foreign interference within its Australian casinos for years. Uh, 
Star operates casinos in Sydney, Brisbane and the Gold Coast and the report says that since 2014 they've encouraged high-rolling gamblers with criminal links to frequent its venues. There's lots of concerns that they're putting high volumes of money uh, through those operations so that they can wash it clean and then go and use it elsewhere. So lots of questions to be answered and lots more reporting to come on this week apparently. Yeah, it looks like it could be a big one across the week. As you say, the newspapers reckon they've got more to come. To international politics now, and in Qatar this week, the US is holding its first talks with the Taliban since they took control of Afghanistan back in August. On the agenda is humanitarian aid. There's lots of concern, of course, that Afghanistan has shortages of food, clean water, medicines, all that as they come into their winter and it's expected to be a colder than usual winter. So that, of course, is very concerning. And the Taliban is talking to the United States about what it can do to help there. Uh, Also, it wants to discuss that agreement that was made uh, and what exactly would happen with the United States now out and how it can support the Taliban uh, to actually go forward with a stable government. Lots of questions about how on earth that could ever happen given the United States still considers the Taliban to be a terrorist organisation. So there's lots of discussions to be had there. Yeah, a spokesperson for the US was keen to point out that this was not about acknowledging the Taliban as a legitimate government. That agreement you refer to was the one made in 2020 by the Trump administration that negotiated the US withdrawal from Afghanistan. It demanded the Taliban break ties with terrorist groups and guarantee the country would not harbour terrorists who could attack the United States and its allies. To Lebanon, where the whole country saw a power outage over the weekend. This is all part of a major economic crisis in the country, Claire, which has led to fuel shortages. The world is in the midst of an energy crisis and what's happening in Lebanon isn't new. For many, many months, it has really struggled uh, with its energy. It has had extreme blackouts for periods of time, but this blackout is something else. It's come as two of the big power stations in the country have shut down and they've shut down because of those energy shortages and fuel shortages to actually power those generators. As you say, the country is in a crisis economically and that has seen it unable to actually purchase that fuel. It was back in August last year that that explosion at the port of Beirut, which was caused by poorly stored ammonium nitrate, killed over 200 people. It injured many more and it left hundreds of thousands homeless. A few days later, the then Prime Minister resigned and since then the country hasn't had a properly functioning government until just last month when the new government was elected. So a lot of attention on what they might be able to do to help. The Nobel Peace Prize has been announced, Claire. Two journalists have shared the award. They have. They have done extremely well in their fields in uh, the Philippines and in Russia to stand up to governments who really want to squash their dissenting voices. We've seen Maria Risa. She is someone who's been in the news quite a bit reluctantly on her part. She says she doesn't want to be the news. She just wants to report the news. Mm -hmm. Uh, She is boss of a Filipino news site called Rappel that really has shone a spotlight on President Duterte and his conduct in the Philippines. 
and also Russian Dmitry Muratov. Uh, he runs an independent newspaper that has shone a light on the conduct of the Putin government. So both quite dangerous people uh, and both quite brave people who have stood up to them. Yeah, the pair are the 102nd winners of the prize. And Claire, I learned a lot about the Nobel Prize via a podcast by the Squiz Kids team. They pulled that together as part of our newly launched Squiz Kids for Schools program. Shameless plug here, but worth a mention today. <laughs> yeah, we're really excited <laughs> about Squiz Kids for Schools. Uh, we know there's a lot of teachers who listen to our podcast and they listen to Squiz Kids in their classrooms as well. So what we've done is develop some leveled literacy worksheets and they match up to the day's podcast. Uh, we also have, as you say, this Squiz Kids Shortcuts podcast and uh, one of those is that Nobel Prize one that you mentioned and there's activities that go along with that too to use in the classroom. So really good stuff. Yeah, those comprehension activities have been so well received by the teachers who have already trialled this. So if you're listening and you're a teacher of primary aged kids, head to squeezekids.com.au to sign up. It's free until the end of the term. Squeeze the day, Claire, and we're going to continue on the serious vein we're on today. Lots of international news, and I think you have an international summit to draw our attention to. Yeah, there's a really big United Nations biodiversity conference. It's being pitted as basically what Paris was for climate change. This is for biodiversity and there's going to be lots of talks about what needs to be done. So this is the kickoff of that whole process. COP15, that one's called? COP15, another COP to go down. COP15, that's ahead of, of course, COP26, which is to come in November. We've talked about that quite a lot. For me, Squeeze the Day, New South Wales emerging from that long lockdown is where lots of news will be at today. So I'm happy to leave it there. Enjoy your Monday and we'll be back tomorrow.